Awesome. Very warm welcome to our listeners once again. And today in Usher on Air, I have got Dan Toomey with me. Dan is an enterprise integration consultant, solution architect, application developer, and system analyst with over 20 years of experience integrating large enterprise systems within the private sector, Queensland government, and Australian federal government. Dan is a certified Microsoft Azure developer, Bistock Server, and .NET. Dan specializes in enabling digital transformation through business process automation and connected systems, leveraging the Microsoft solution stack both in the cloud and on-premises. Dan is an international speaker, and he has been part of Integrate London and US and PolarConf in Finland, as well as many Australian events such as Microsoft Ignite Australia in Sydney, API Days, the Global Azure Bootcamp, and Xamarin Dip Days. He is a core organizer of Brisbane Azure User Group and founded the Brisbane Bistock User Group back in 2005. Dan has posted several how-to webcasts on Brisbane Bistock User Group YouTube channel as well as numerous presentations on SlideShare. Recognizing his contributions to the community, Dan is awarded Microsoft Azure MVP. He is also a certified Microsoft trainer. He is a published plural site author too. And I have a lot more to talk about Dan. And today's webcast, we are going to talk about event-driven integrations. Uh, from uh, let us learn from the expert Dan Toomey. Welcome you, Dan, to our show. Thank you very much, Etty, for that great introduction. Awesome, Dan. And I'm I'm glad to have you, the integration expert, talking about event-driven integrations today. And we I'm we are curious to learn a lot about event-driven integrations from you today. First, let's get started with a basic question: like, what is the need of modern applications? To be event-driven, right? Well, we live in a in a world. Uh, first of all, just talking about integration, particularly, we in, we live in a world where uh, everything is run by APIs, right? They, mm. They're they're everywhere. That's how applications talk to each other. And one of the challenges with that, of course, is to get the data synchronizing across everything, and that's what integration helps. But it's also we live in a world where we expect everything to happen immediately, so we want the information when it's current, right? Mm. Like, let's take, uh, for example, most of us have, have bank accounts and, and electron, you know, online bank accounts. And when you rack up a big charge on it, you might get a text message on your phone to warn you uh, about mm. that, just in case it wasn't you who, who did the charge. Mm. Um, if you got that text message the next day because of an overnight batch process, it wouldn't be anywhere near as useful, right? Okay. Data is, uh, is only as valuable as it is current. And there's a lot of data that, that loses its value very, very quickly. So what event-based uh, integration allows you to do is to get the data as it happens in real time. And, that, and that's very, very important in a lot of situations. Like, for example, that banking, um, mm. banking, banking charge situation I mentioned, or uh, when you're dealing with, say, stock prices or things like that. Mm. So that's, uh, that's why we want to do that. Also, um, when you're talking about sharing data from a source to a target, there's many different ways you can exchange that data. One of them might be for the target to actively pull the source of that data. Mm. But it's not a very efficient solution because you could be asking for data that might not be there yet. So it's, you know, it's inefficient. And then the data then is only as current as mm -hmm. the regularity or the interval that which you pull for that mm. data. 
So whereas if it's event driven and it's being pushed by the source, then you're getting the data as it happens in the most efficient way. Excellent. Two great reasons. Um, expecting the application to be reactive and for the application to react to the real-time scenarios, it needs to be event-driven. And the excellent example that you took helped us understand the need of being reactive. And to operate efficiently, yes, let me do it when it is required. Awesome. So um, as you were explaining, uh, Dan, I also observed that uh, there are different scenarios uh, in which the events play different roles, like wherein in some cases it would be sufficient if I get to know as the event occurs, like a notification that you just mentioned. When the transaction happens, I receive a notification. In some cases, it would be required for me to process this information that's happening over a period of time, isn't it? So is uh, uh, event-driven integration going to take care of both these scenarios? Are there different ways in me dealing with different types of events here? Absolutely. Uh, what you just described are two different types of events. Uh, mm -hmm. We call uh, the first one discrete events mm -hmm. and the other series-based events. Mm -hmm. And I'll explain the difference. So a discrete event is an event that is actionable in itself. So an example like the financial transaction uh, that happens or, you know, maybe a file is created, right? But then that event, if somebody's interested in it, they just need to be notified of that single event and they can choose to do something about that mm. information. Mm. Mm. But there are other events that really only get their meaning uh, from the context of the events around them. Mm. So an example of that would be, say, if you're monitoring the temperature in a room right? And, and you're taking temperature readings every minute or so. Mm, mm. Um, so the fact that the temperature in this room right now might be 25 degrees, it's probably not actionable or, you know, or, mm. uh, or significant in itself. But if in three minutes time, it's 28 degrees, and if in five minutes time, it's 35 degrees, mm. that uh, suggests something that becomes very significant. So it's important to understand the distinction of those events and which ones that you're actually uh, dealing with when you design mm. your application, because mm. naturally the platforms that are going to be used to process those events have to be different, right? Mm. The first mm. one is very simple. It's just an event notification. You respond to that as a single event. Mm. The series of base events, you actually have to have some kind of a streaming analysis of those events as they happen that can then capture windows of time, or like usually a tumbling type of window of events, mm. and then perform analysis over that to see if you can spot a trend over that mm, period of time. Mm, it's much more mm. complicated. Excellent. So I see we're explaining the scenario where an event sourcing was uh, taking place. I can connect them to some of the underlying Azure services. So uh, should we talk about Azure services that are ideal for event sourcing um, in event-driven integration stand? Absolutely. So there's mm. two uh, major services in Azure for handling events. The first one is Event Grid. And mm. that would be your event notifications, right? The first scenario mm. of discrete events. And that's where mm. you, it just sprays the events out as they happen. And then the people who, uh, the, the systems that receive those events can react to them as they, as they see mm. fit. Mm. For event sourcing, and what we mean by that is that in this case, you actually need to persist those events and store them because you may need to replay them and use them, say, for example, to rebuild the state of something. Mm -hmm or mm -hmm. to be able to do some sort of analysis over them. Mm -hmm. uh, the product for that would be event hubs in mm -hmm. Azure because 
Event Hubs has that ability to record those events and be able to replay them, uh, which Event Grid does not. So again, understanding exactly what architecture you need is based on your requirements and how you're going to use those events. Awesome. So for event routing, event grid is the right choice. And I can connect this uh, service with the example that we were talking about in the for the previous question. Like when you said uh, there is a notification and you want to uh, restrict polling of applications for efficient operation. I believe event grid is the right service that's going to cut off this polling and then bring in an event-driven action there, isn't it? That is exactly right, and, and it's probably a good uh, good opportunity to point out the difference between Event mm. Grid and Azure Service Bus. So both mm. of them deal with messages. Now, there is a difference between messaging and eventing, actually, yes. uh, a subtle difference with that. But one of the things about the way these two services operate mm -hmm. is that a Service Bus uh, will queue up messages, but mm. the receiver has to actually retrieve them. They actually have to poll to receive those messages. Correct. Whereas with Event Grid, Event Grid actually pushes those messages out as they happen in real time. Mm, 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 mm. Exactly. So um, I would also like to add on here, messages are um, a bit of information which would be further utilized by the downstream application for processing, isn't it done? Whereas the event is mostly lightweight and it just lets the downstream application know that it's all good to start its operation. Is that, that is correct. And I could expand on that a little bit if mm. you like. Yeah, um, yeah, so events are based on facts, mm. uh, but it's usually metadata type facts. Mm. For example, mm. if a file is created as an event, mm. the notification mm. would be that this file was created in this certain place. It might have a certain size, a name, uh, a timestamp, but it's not going to send the contents of the file, right? Mm. So event, events generally don't carry a lot of data. They're, they're mm. pretty lightweight, as you said. Mm. Messaging is really more about uh, for commands and actually where there's an expectation mm. when you send a message for the consumer to do something with mm. it. Events usually are just pushing it out and it's a notification. Whoever's interested in it you know, can receive it, but the, the producer of the event mm. doesn't really mm. care or even know about who's receiving it. Messaging mm. is usually more conversational. So there'd be more back and forth. And as I said, there's an expectation with that. Mm -hmm. And messages can uh, therefore carry more data with them usually. Mm -hmm. So if we look, for example, at the Azure services, the events for event grid, I think, are limited to about 64 kilobyte in size, whereas uh, Azure Service Bus can handle larger messages, like yeah. usually about one megabyte. But then, of course, if you go to a higher tier, you can get even you can get larger messages as well. Exactly. Yeah. So we talked about a number of Azure services here, uh, like uh, your service bus queues, event grid for event routing, and event uh, hubs for event sourcing. Uh, we might we can also imagine a logic app listening to this queue and event grid coming in between my service bus queue and my logic app. How easy it is for me to implement this event driven integration? How much support do I get from this Azure? Um, infrastructure for me to implement it at ease? Well, it's actually, uh, it's, it's relatively straightforward to do that very scenario that you described. And mm. I might say that that is a common scenario. And one of the reasons for that is mm. because you, you could have the logic app respond directly to the service bus, right? Um, mm. You can trigger a logic app based on messages and service bus. But mm. the way that actually works is that the logic app trigger action is polling the service bus for exactly. messages. 
Now, in the consumption-based logic apps, every action that occurs, you pay for, right? Yes. So that means that every time it's polling, whether or not it actually retrieves a message, you still pay for that action. Yeah. When you put an event grid in between, the event grid can respond to service bus messages, but it pushes that message to the logic app and only triggers the logic app when there's data available. So we've often used that in, in some of our solutions as a way to save the client money in terms of our, our um, exactly. uh, operational cost. Yes. yes. And the best part is like it can be achieved as a mere configuration and through the Azure portal. And all that we have to do is to bind the service with queue as an uh, event grid topic and the logic app as an event grid subscription. And that's it. The That's pretty much it. These, these yeah. kind of services in Azure are, are what we call low code solutions so that you yeah. don't have to, you normally it's, it's, it's mostly like configuration. Yes. Yeah. Um, so such scenarios often make me feel I'm so lucky to be in this era of application development that <laughs> in click of few things, I get things working and then, and how resilient and reliable are these event driven services that we are working with that? Well, uh, so that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, and I should add that because something, you know, resiliency and, and error management and things like that, you all have to take, into, take into consideration when you're building any application. Mm. Um, so event grid is as a service, extremely resilient. Mm. And why I say that is because, um, it, it will try to deliver messages for up to 24 hours. It will automatically retry. If, it, if it's mm -hmm. pushing out to a subscriber and it can't reach that subscriber, it will continually retry and it will be very clever about how it does it. It uses mm -hmm. a, an exponential back off on that. Because you can imagine if, if, um, if, a, if the receiver is being hammered and can't receive mm -hmm. the message because it's under stress, then mm. just continually trying it every five seconds is just going to add to the problem, right? right? Mm, mm. So what Event Grid will do is it'll try maybe at five seconds and then maybe ten seconds and then thirty seconds and then wait a couple of minutes and you know it'll 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 expand that out a little bit. Mm, mm, mm. And it not only that, it also randomizes those intervals just slightly. And the reason being is that if you've got a lot of events coming through at once. If they all retry at the same interval, then you're just basically pushing the problem down the road, aren't you? But what right. Event Grid will do is that randomization will cause it to fan out slightly so that um, so that you can give the receiver a chance to receive them. Now, um, that said about failures, mm -hmm. um, so Event Grid um, is, I think the last time I got stats, which is a couple of years ago from, from uh, Microsoft, the mm -hmm. messaging services in Azure were handling about 2.5, two and a half trillion events oh. uh, per, per day, right? <laughs> With all, a huge, huge, huge number of events. And they were doing that with an SLA of almost six nines. I think it was 99.998, right? Okay. Which is a, a, a very impressive SLA, as you think about it. <laughs> Yeah. But but then again, when you're talking about that those numbers that high, like two and a half trillion events, mm -hmm. even that SLA results in about five million failures. Failures, right? Yeah. So so when you design your applications, you have to be aware that that you need to handle those failures, right? Mm -hmm. And that um, and there's two things that help with that. One is uh, that Event Grid does have something called the dead letter queue. Uh, so if it can't deliver your event in time, you can configure it to put it in a dead lever queue so that you can then deal with that later. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, you've got to think about how important are these events that you're getting and what happens if you lose 
some of them. So if it's um, if they're absolutely critical, if they're mm-hmm. more like messages, for example, if they're financial mm-hmm. things, then maybe you need to uh, choose another service uh, for that. Something like maybe Service Bus, right? To, to mm-hmm. handle that, that has a little bit more um, advanced features in it and for for guaranteed delivery. Yeah. Uh, now, as far as the the dead letter queue for EventGrid, uh, mm-hmm. that's great that it stores those messages, but then you have to have something to handle those and do, and do it. Yes. And yes. services like um, like Serverless 360, for example, uh, gives you the ability to monitor those dead letter queues and send alerts out when there are messages accumulating on it, so mm-hmm. that you can respond to them and, and do something. Awesome. So it, this clearly says that in a real-time business, though we cannot avoid failures, we can design to handle the failures. And the uh, one example feature that can help in here is the dead letters and event grid. So any uh, undelivered events can be piled up in the dead letter queue and dead letter end of the event grid, which is actually a storage blob, isn't it, Dan? We can associate a storage blob and collect the dead letter events there. Yeah. And a tool, yeah, tool like Serverless 360 can fit in here to meet the operational need of um, uh, identifying the deadletter events and then reprocessing them to restore the failure. And thanks for uh, uh, letting us know about Serverless 360 in this session, Dan. And yes, that pretty much covers a lot about event-driven integration. You uh, enlightened us uh, on uh, what is the need for modern applications to be event-driven. You gave us insights on what are the different types of events, what services from Azure can fit into building or handling events of different types. And uh, thanks for this excellent, insightful session on event-driven integration, Stan. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much.